Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. As Larry D goes through our beloved's upcoming schedule, we move on to our same place opponents and welcome Sander Phillips from BucksNation.com to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What does Sanders think of Tampa Bay's future? And is Lovey the man for the job? All of this and so much more on the same place opponent preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. a couple of shows discussing the very highly competitive and uh, highly dangerous, in my opinion, NFC West. We move along to two very interesting teams in the Washington Redskins and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for part one of the same place opponent preview of the Chicago Bears review. I um, had a discussion with Sander Phillips from BucksNation.com on the SB Nation uh, site um, you know it, right now if, if you go on the site um, you'll you'll see uh, you won't Sanders Sander w- will not be hard to find because pretty much any any column on that site right now is written by Sander Phillips so you, you, you wonder if the guy has time to do anything else but digest and you know uh, talk about uh, Buccaneer uh, football and, and keep the the Bucks nation uh, informed on what is going on uh, with them. Um, had a really great conversation with Sander. Came in at about 40 minutes, so we're going to give this this team, the Buccaneers, its uh, its own uh, its own episode. Uh, you know, we talked about pretty much everything. Uh, we, you know, basically had him go through because the 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 turno- the roster went through a lot of turnovers. So basically, was asking the expert, "Who do you guys have on your team? You know, who do you have?" Uh, they look like they tried to undo everything they did a year ago. Uh, you know, Lovey's first year out there, they went out, they signed Josh McCown, they signed Anthony Collins, they signed Michael Johnson. All three of those guys were cut after the first year. So everything that they did as far as trying to make big moves last year, well, almost everything actually, uh, they seemed to undo and then made a very, you know, year one type move by drafting a quarterback number one overall uh, and so on. We talked to Sander uh, about that, get his feelings about 2014, what they have to look forward in 2015. I even asked him, you know, he's from the Netherlands. He's from overseas. So it's, it's you know, it's interesting to talk to overseas fans about the NFL and the teams that they have and the teams that they've chosen because these are not in the in the biggest in, in the most sense actually um, depending on how old you are uh, the NFL isn't really something that's been as popular you know it, it hasn't been the the global phenomenon that it that it is now forever you know it was very much a niche thing o- over in Europe um, for for someone to be a big NFL fan 
uh, overseas. I mean, soccer still rules the world uh, over there. So you'll 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 have a much easier time putting ninety thousand into a soccer stadium uh, than you would uh, you know filling it up on a regular basis to see an NFL game. Still at this point, uh, I think so. Um, uh, we'll see how much the, the game transitions and, and grows on, you know, that, that talk of a London expansion team. I don't even want to talk about the lo- logistical nightmare that it would be going back and forth for uh, road games and things like that. But um, nonetheless, like I said, it's always interesting to talk about these fans from overseas because it's still basically it's still a new game out there for the most part. And uh, to, to find out how long they've been fans, why did you choose this particular team? What was it that kind of snapped you into it? Uh, uh, and so on. We get all of that uh, from Sander. I even asked him about those awful, awful uniforms that the Buccaneers wear. Um, you know, he had an interesting perspective on that. So I'll just kind of leave that open to, uh, you know, op- open to you guys. But um you know, like I said, had a great talk with him. Hope to have him on uh, in uh, week 16 because that's when the Bucks and the Bears uh, play. It'll be uh, a challenge to figure out our schedules because I think we're looking at a seven- or an eight-hour time difference between the Midwest of the United States and the Netherlands. I think it's actually seven. But um, hopefully we'll be able to figure that out and, and get Sander and, and get his two cents on where the Bucks are going into week 16 and uh, – Try to compare notes on where our two former fourth place teams are at that point uh, in the season. So I hope that we can make that happen. So without further ado, I give you myself, Sander Phillips from BuckNation.com on the SB Nation website and our chat about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, and we are joined by Sander Phillips from uh, BucksNation.com on SB Nation. Sander, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. No problem. So you are in the Netherlands, correct? Yes, correct. And you are native of the Netherlands? Yep. Okay, so how does someone from the Netherlands become a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan? Um, well, it starts by watching the Super Bowl and then watching NFL games in general. And then having to choose a team to root for because not rooting for any team makes games really, really boring. Right. And then you figure out that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, have a pirate logo and have a pirate ship in their stadium. And you think, wait a minute, that's pretty awesome. (laughs) And then you're a Bucs fan. Right. Okay. All right. And how old were you when when all that happened? Um, I'm not sure exactly. Somewhere in my teens. Somewhere in your teens. Okay. So somewhat of a still impressionable age uh, uh, yeah. when you made this decision. <laughs> okay. Is it, is it one that you regret at all, being a Tampa uh, Bay Buccaneers fan? Not a lot of happiness with the uh, Buccaneers. No, I don't regret it at all. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, that's part of being a fan, right? Both the happiness right. and, the, uh, and the sadness. Right. Unless, unless, you're, unless you're a Patriots fan, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, I was, when I was a kid, being a Patriots fan was... Uh, was pretty low on the totem pole as far as the happiness was concerned. But obviously, all those who stuck with it are pretty happy about it now, right? Yeah. Okay, so so you, you, you've been a fan uh, of the team for a while. Um, how long have you been doing the, the uh, Bucks Nation? 
Um, that has to be four or five years now. I think five years since I first started writing and four years since I took over as the, uh, as the actual editor of the site. Okay. All right. And, um, yeah, I was actually just on the, uh, on the site. Uh, is it just you? Cause I see everything is <laughs> Sander Phillips, Sander Phillips, Sander Phillips, Sander Phillips, Sander Phillips. Do you have any help on, on the site? Cause I didn't see any. Uh, no, we. I, I do have some help. Uh, okay, it's, it's, it's the down the down portion of the of the offseason now, and I'm going right. to ask. Uh, right. Yeah. So, have you ch had a chance to see your team in in the flesh at all? Uh, I have. I, I saw them both times they were in London. Ah, okay. Uh, so uh, that's good. You saw them lose to my Bears. Is that correct? Yeah, and then before that, lose to the Patriots. Right. Well, at least they were in the game <laughs> with the Bears. I, I remember that game yeah. against the Patriots. That was not pretty. Right. Yeah. It was like forty-two to seven or something like that. Uh. Yeah. It was. I think fourteen. I think they actually scored a few, but it was never a close game. Right. Okay. The Bears game was better, at least. Yes. Yes. It was far more competitive. Uh, I remember. I still have the gray hair to prove it. <laughs> so. Um. So with uh, with that, uh, let's let's uh, let's dive into your into your team here. Um, twenty fourteen, obviously not a very good season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Two and fourteen uh, last season, first year under 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 Lovey Smith, a former Chicago Bear uh, head coach. Um, both of your victories, unfortunately, came on the road. So an zero and eight season at home in Tampa Bay last year. And having said all that, does this feel like year one again? Because everything they seemed to do last year, they signed Josh McCown, they signed Anthony Collins, they signed Michael Johnson. All three of those guys are gone now. Yeah. They, you know, you had the number one pick, which usually is what happens when you're starting a brand new regime with a new head coach and a new GM. You pick Jameis Winston, and you're kind of going forward from there. So it's almost like everything they, they tried to do last year, they've erased it, and they're starting over yet again, only they have everybody that they had as far as the head coach and everything from a year ago. Um, kind of. There is, there's been a lot of roster turnover, though. Yeah. Uh, the, the big three names last year, they were, they're indeed gone. So Michael right. Johnson, Anthony Collins, and Josh McCown. But they still have Clinton McDonald. They still have Alteron Werner. Uh, the in, almost the entire secondary is different. Uh, most of the defensive line is different. Most of the offensive line is different from two years ago. So there's been a lot, a lot of turnover. It's it's not exactly year one again, even though uh, there's been a bit of a reset button on, at several positions. Right. Yes. Exactly. So, so how is the feeling of having Jameis Winston? Because I know that because of some of his off-field troubles, some some Buck fan weren't weren't exactly thrilled that this was the guy that you guys are going to go with, but how has it been since the Bucks pulled the trigger and made Winston their guy? Uh, well, it's, it's been all uh, sunshine and rainbows, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, he hasn't gotten into any off-field trouble. Every, every report from training camp has been, uh, training camp from the off-season program has been positive. There have been a ton of stories about how he's a really hard worker, which we already knew uh, because the work ethic was never, never really in question. But, right. Um, yeah, everything's been really, really positive around him. And part of that is the team making a real effort to, to sell him to the fan base because of those off-field issues and everyone uh, putting on their best face. But it seems to be genuine, at least as far as I can tell. Okay. Now, you know, the the passing game or the quarterback play wasn't exactly the biggest problem with the offense last year so far as the fact that 
these guys didn't really have a chance because they were under tremendous pressure yeah. all the time. 52 sacks given up by the offensive line last year. Um, you go ahead and, and you draft Donovan is Donovan Smith and Ali Marpet in, in yep. the second round. But yeah. I just read online that Ali Marpet may not be your guy going into week one. Yeah, which uh, to me would be a problem because that would mean starting either Kadeem Edwards or Garrett Gilkey. Edwards hasn't played a snap in the NFL. Gilkey was a complete disaster last year. He was probably the worst player on the offensive line, which is saying something for this yeah. offensive line. <laughs> so uh, if he can't start in week one, that would be an issue. So no no uh, overtures for uh, an, um, what's his name? Mathis, Evan Mathis or, or anything like that? No, the Bucks supposedly are not interested in Evan Mathis, which I do not understand because he'd be an instant upgrade for at least a year, which would be a positive if you can't start Ali Marpet. But apparently they think he's too old, which he is, but I mean, he could probably still play a year. Uh, and too expensive, which okay, but the Bucks have cap space anyway, so who really cares? But it's not going to happen, apparently. So um, either they're going to pick up someone down the line of waivers because mm-hmm. they do have the number one waiver priority, or this is what they're going with, and they're going to hope that one of the young guys steps up uh, in training camp. Okay. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, last year, offense, for lack of a better term, was doomed from the start yeah. because your your offensive coordinator <coughs> goes down with an illness from the beginning of the season, and for the most part, I mean, you had someone calling the plays, but you didn't have an offensive coordinator right. uh, last year. I think, was it the quarterbacks coach that was calling the plays yeah the quarterbacks coach was calling the plays and it was his first year in the nfl ever he came straight from college uh so he had uh, and he had one year as experience as an offense coordinator so it was a complete disaster basically he had he didn't have the background to be able to call plays and design an offense in the nfl even though that's what he was asked to do right because i was i was just going over the the wins and losses uh last year looking at the scores of the game and only four times in 16 games that the Bucks scored 20 points yeah. or more. It was generally like 17 was the ceiling uh, <laughs> last year uh, for, for the offense. Um, you know, the positive, of course, would be that the, the, the times they managed to score 20 points, they were actually in the ball game and had a chance to win. They won two of them when they scored more than 20 points uh, yeah. last season. So, you know, you have Lovey Smith and, as a form, as a Chicago Bear fan, I am very well versed in the scripture that is Lovey Smith and the whole "we get off the bus running the football" um, <laughs> philosophy that he had in his nine years in Chicago didn't seem to work out. Last season, we you didn't have anyone on the team rush for more than five hundred yards. Yeah, last year, yeah, there was no running game basically, <clears throat> and uh, we're not sure whether they're even going to have a running game this year. Though uh, at least Dirk Cutter. The new offensive coordinator is more of a passing uh, head coach. And they do now have Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson to throw to. And also Severian Jenkins, who's having a really good offseason to throw to. With Jameis Winston under center, I would expect this to be a much more pass-oriented offense than people might expect from Lovie Smith. Um, especially given the fact that the running backs are not the best group in the NFL. Right. Doug Martin, after having this out-of-this-world rookie season has struggled with production and injuries in, in yeah. the years since then, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he just hasn't looked like the same guy. Even when he was healthy the past two years, he didn't have a burst. It looked like his vision was gone. He couldn't find the holes. He didn't have the patience to wait for the plays to develop. Um, 
and the Bucks hope or think even that he, he still has that ability, that he can find it again. Uh, but I'm skeptical because I just haven't seen it in two years. And if he's not going to be the guy, Charlie Sims is next up to bat? Uh, yeah, it's either Charles Sims or, uh, or Bobby Rainey. Uh, Sims is a bit of a weird, uh, weird player. Uh, Lovey Smith compared him to Matt Forte, and I can kind of see that in the running style, in the way he moves, is very similar to Matt Forte. But he's, not a, he's really good in the passing game, but he's not a very good runner. He tends to go down on first contact. He wasn't very productive last year. Um, maybe... that, sounds, that sounds like Matt Forte, actually. <laughs> yeah, but Matt Forte is at least productive consistently. And, and Charles Sims really wasn't. Um, but maybe, I don't know, maybe a second year in the NFL uh, can get him up to speed. And otherwise, the Bucks have Bobby Rainey and Mike James, who are at least serviceable as runners. They're not going to do anything special, but they can at least help move the chains a bit. And this is Sims' second year in the league? Yeah. What they do? Old. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, he's an old guy, though. I think he's he's 25 now okay. in the second year because he came from JUCO and then uh, and then did I think two years uh, at at college. So it's been a while uh, for him. So he has a lot of tread on the tires. Right. Well, they do tend to say that uh, the biggest leap that most players make is between that first year and the second. So that hopefully, is true. Hopefully, hopefully that will hopefully, be the same yeah. for uh, for Charlie Sims. So. So off on the sadness on the offensive side with the terrible offensive line and the uh, mediocre running game, the passing game, however, was not as big a disaster. Uh, when McCown and Mike Glennon had time to throw the ball, you have Mike Evans, a Pro Bowl player. Or I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. Well, he uh, did play the Pro Bowl, didn't he? He did not make the Pro Bowl, but that's more about how many really good receivers there were last year right. than his play because yeah. his play was it, it was deserving of a Pro Bowl in a more normal year I th- I'd say okay so let's call him a Pro Bowl level player and right, then you have fair. Vincent Jackson who actually has made a Pro Bowl yeah and then as you mentioned Severian Jenkins who um who missed some time with an injury a last time, year yeah. but um, you know you know has showed some flashes uh, of why he was a second round uh pick Absolutely. last year so you have your, your your number one and your number two receiver. Who's the who are the candidates for the slot receiver, the number three guy? Um, that's mainly uh, Louis Murphy, the former Raider who was signed last year, and he's he's okay. He's serviceable. He can play uh, all over the offense. Uh, then there's Kenny Bell, a fifth round pick this year, who is kind of more of an outside receiver. He's built like like Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans, kind of a straight line down the field guy. Uh, but what the Bucks did the past couple of years is move uh, Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson into the slot on third downs a lot mm, okay. uh, and have them attack the middle of the field. And right. I would expect that to happen a lot more. So you'd likely see a third receiver on the outside more than in the slot. Okay. So let's move on over to the defense, which is your head coach's specialty. Yeah. Uh, that is how he <laughs> made his name. Um, you have a guy that's basically on track to be a Hall of Famer in, in Gerald McCoy. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you have Levante David, who is the um, Derek Brooks of the, off- or the defense. Excuse me. Yep. Uh, that's the vis- position that he plays. Um, you, Mason Foster is gone, but you bring in Bruce Carter from the, from the Cowboys. So those are the highlights. What, what else do we have on the defensive side to, to be excited about? Um. Well, there's, there's not a lot of flashy names. I think the, the only other really flashy name is, uh, is probably Alteron Werner at quarterback. Right. Yeah. Who had, uh, I think it was six interceptions two years ago. 
bit of a down year last year. But the biggest thing uh, we're going to look for is uh, just improvement in the second year in the defense. Because last year, the defense got off to a really, really bad start. Like The first seven games, they were one of the worst defenses in the NFL. You could tell that no one knew where they had to be. No one trusted each other. It was kind of a mess. And then after the bye week, they improved by, by leaps and bounds. It was much, much, much better. Uh, and they looked like a cohesive unit. And they were basically a top 10 defense over the, over the final eight weeks or so. Um, just, just from the same personnel, but people understanding where they need to be, which is really important in this defense. So I would expect that to be the biggest leap forward this year, too. Well, yeah, I was like I said, I was, you know, trying to base all of this just looking at, you know, stats and scores and and things like that. You had that disastrous Thursday night game against the Falcons. Oh, 50, 56 <laughs> to nothing before the Tampa Bay Buccaneers even show up. Uh, you gave up 48 points to the Tampa Bay, or excuse me, to the Ravens a couple of weeks after that. Yeah. Uh, 37 points, I think, to the to the Saints. But it's like you see it kind of stop there. And yeah. then it the the games became a lot more competitive yeah. after that twenty to seventeen twenty seven to twenty one that kind of thing. I was um, still losing, though. The, yeah. yeah, still losing, <laughs> but at least they're in the ball game. They're you know, right. Buck fans still have a reason to be watching the game in the fourth quarter as opposed to trying to find out you know who was actually in the game this week and, as opposed to the Buccaneers <laughs> you know being down forty eight points in the second quarter uh, yeah. kind of thing. So you 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 know I did notice that looking at it that. Things got a lot more competitive after a while, and it would just seem like they were finally settling into grasping this uh, scheme that Lovey brought yeah. to town with him. Yeah, yeah, that was the biggest thing uh, last year, and hopefully that carries over to this season. It's why they they signed players like Bruce Carter and like Henry Melton, who who come from the same kind of scheme in Dallas uh, or who played under Lovey in Chicago, because yes. they hope they can adjust um, more quickly to the uh, to the new scheme. Right. You also brought in Chris Conti. Yes. Who was a walking disaster in Chicago. <laughs> um, if, if you'd ever had a chance to hear my show last year, Chris Conti was the bane of my existence. So I'm, I'm, very, <laughs> I'm very sorry that, that, that you are the ones that have to deal with him. I hope for, for your sake that he is who the Bears drafted him to be. But uh, when he was in Chicago, if there was something that went wrong, it was usually Chris Conti's fault. Yeah, no, uh, he did play in a different scheme the past couple of years, so I'm, I'm kind of hoping that was the issue. But the Bucks do have a lot of competition for him. They have basically four or five safeties who are all on basically an equal level competing for two starting spots. Mm -hmm. So if Chris Conti can't hack it, they can have someone else uh, step in. So it shouldn't be a huge issue, even if he turns out to still be the same guy. Right, right. Well, the one positive is that Chris Conti... Uh, very publicly stated that he pretty much doesn't care if he concusses himself to death. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a positive or. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you actually did you hear anything about that? That's because that was quite the buzz in Chicago when he said that. Uh, I have not heard that. That went completely by my head. Yes. Uh, uh, well, that, he, that, that, he, that may explain a few things about his play in the last couple <laughs> of years, though. <laughs> well, he he uh, he went to the press and basically it was you know when there were a lot of talks about. CTE and brain issues and, you know, uh, the, the, the veterans are, you know, retired players suffering from, uh, you know, the brain injuries and the yeah. after effects and so on. Basically saying that he cared more about being a player in the NFL than he did about growing to be an old man. So it's like he was willing to die at like 
50 with no memory of who he ever was or what he ever did to play in the NFL than to not play in the NFL and grow to be an old and happy man. Yeah, that that would not be my choice. But yeah, well, I'm not Chris Condy, so. <laughs> so it, it's it was just surprising to hear somebody say that out loud. I mean, I'm sure that there are some players in the NFL that have an attitude like that, like they're just all about the game and they don't care about what happens yeah. when those days are over. But to hear someone say it, and from a guy who went to to, to California to Berkeley, which is supposed to be one of the higher institutions of uh, uh, you know of higher learning out here. Uh, in the states, say something like that just uh, was yeah. completely shocking uh, to me. But it's, uh, it's, it is. It's pretty much the opposite of what every 49er has done this offseason. <laughs> they've yeah. all run away from the game, and he yes, like, exactly, exactly. Please punish me more. Right. <laughs> so, all right. So, you know, you you have this new team. You know, and like you said, there have been a lot of turnover yeah. uh, with uh, with the roster, even in even in between year one and year. Too. You have this yeah. new quarterback in, in Jameis Winston. What's the level of expectation for the Bucks going into 2015? Um, I, I think most fans are really cautious, which is understandable given that they haven't really had a history of uh, warranted optimism. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, well, every year there's been a kind of, well, there's a chance they'll do, they'll do pretty well because, you know, they've got some new players and blah, 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 blah. And then we turn around and it's 4-12 and 12 or 6-10 and 10 again. Which, I mean, that happens year after year and fans get kind of depressed and cautious. But I think the expectation is kind of an 8-8 eight and eight season. Just a season to where, where you see some progression and, and uh, uh, can see the quarterback grow, most importantly, and can see the defense clicking. That's what people are looking for. That is not what Lovey Smith wants, though. Lovey Smith has been saying consistently they're going to uh, compete for the division, try to win the division, get into the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I am not sure that's realistic, but, you know, that's what he has to say. Well, that's that's what Lovey does. He does yeah. that. So um, uh, that sounds very familiar uh, from from this side of the uh, from this <laughs> side of the pond uh, to hear Lovey Smith talking about uh, championships and division titles and things like that. When right. When what you have on paper, you're like, really? This is... You, these these are yeah. the guys you think you're going to get your division title. Well, you know, is is the NFL and stranger things have happened. Um, when yeah. I had my discussion with the uh, Football is America guys, um, they did ask me what they thought was more likely. The you know, did they think that Todd Bowles, the new head coach in in New York with the Jets, was he most likely to win a division title, being in the same division with the Buck with the uh, Patriots and and uh, the Buffalo Bills, who are kind of on the rise there, or was it more likely that Lovey would win Coach of the Year in Tampa Bay? And I did say, I, to be honest with you, I did say I thought it was more likely that Lovey would be Coach of the Year because, you know, number one, the, N- the A- NFC South was nothing to brag about yeah. last year when your, your, your division champion had a losing record. Um, but, you know... Even if he was to go from to go from two and fourteen to eight and eight would probably be a big would be a big leap and you know you never know and sometimes in the NFL eight and eight it gets you a playoff run depending on how the rest of the uh, conference uh, is playing yeah. I, I thought it would be a much easier much more attainable goal for Lovey to be coach of the year than it would be for Todd Bowles to steal the division from the Patriots right now. Uh, the interesting thing there is that if uh, if the Buccaneers do really do. Uh, do well and manage to go eight and eight, or uh, maybe even ten and six, and win the division. 
a lot of press is going to focus on James Winston, and Lovie Smith is not going to get a lot of credit, whether or not it's, it's, he deserves any, right? Regardless of, of that, it's going to be about James Winston. Nope, and I, and I agree with you there. But as, <laughs> given the choices that, that, that I was yeah, granted... That, 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 that is that not seemed, a very good choice, yeah. Yeah, no, that seemed uh, more likely. So uh, real quick, I wanted to ask you... Um, so you've been a, a Bucks fan for, let's say, 15 years or coming on 15 years. Um, I am what you would call a uniform snob, okay? What <laughs> did you think of the uniform change last year? Uh, I actually like them, but I know that I'm in the minority there. Most people still don't like them. Yeah. But um, I always felt like the, the old Bucks uniforms were kind of... Uh, kind of similar to the Falcons uniforms and kind of similar to the Cardinals uniforms and that they're like a uniform red and you could see they were different but they weren't really distinctive so what I really liked about the new uniforms is that you can see immediately at a glance that these are Bucks uniforms even if you don't like them they're at least a lot more distinctive than what they were right distinctive that's that's yeah. one word for, them, <laughs> for sure because um, they they did it in in phases they phase one was the different helmet which was more of a almost more of a chrome look to the helmet and a much bigger logo yeah. on the side. And sure. was, Everyone likes that one. Everyone likes. Well, you know what? I I didn't initially. I wasn't crazy about it. Um, yeah. But I did. You know that did grow on me. But then when they came out with the rest of the uniform, um, oh man, uh, <laughs> I I was not a fan. Uh, still not. So I'm I'm in the majority, as, as you would say. But uh, the, my least favorite part, I got to say, the one thing, if they have to change anything, they have to change the numbers. The, <laughs> Everyone hates the numbers. The, yeah, the alarm clock digital readout numbers on the, on the, uh, on the, on the uniforms, I think, are just... Yeah, just... they're supposed to look like kind of uh, uh, swashbuckler swords or something. And it's, yeah, no, that's not it. They're, they're, yeah. they're alarm clock numbers. That's fine, but just call them alarm clock numbers. So... <laughs> I do have to say, what is kind of cool is uh, in night games, and we've only had one so far, so it hasn't been uh, uh, been on display a lot. But in night games, those uh, those numbers light up, so they're fluorescent. Yeah. With yeah, that, they that is pretty cool. That looks cool, but we've only had one game to see that in. So, yeah. so looking at the schedule for 2015, you guys have the well, you have the NFC South. Obviously, that's your your home. Uh, division and i don't think anyone's made any great leaps in the offseason to that say this this team is going to run away uh with the division but you also yeah. get the afc south um who you know with the titans and the jaguars um you know not a lot of you know these are these are games you guys are going to be in for sure in my opinion yeah. uh, against those teams um, same place games against the Bears, who were in fourth place, unfortunately, last year. You have the Redskins as well. I mean, this is kind of a schedule that could lend itself well to you guys making a, a leap as far as wins and losses this year. Absolutely. It's one of the easiest schedules in the NFL, at least, I mean, as far as we can tell now, because, you know, things are going to change and a lot of those teams are going to be better or worse than we think now. But it looks doable from where I'm sitting, at least. So. That's a positive. That's another reason to believe that the Bucks are at least going to be better than last year, if not actually good. Are you looking forward to that Week One matchup against Marcus Mariota? Um, not really, uh, because I don't expect it to actually be a good game. When you have two rookie quarterbacks dueling against each other, it tends to be pretty ugly. Uh, for especially in their first game, for 
kind of obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am really looking forward to seeing what the new team looks like. I mean, opening day is always fun, but I'm not particularly looking forward to the Marcus Mariota uh, matchup more than any other. Was there any other game on the schedule that you that kind of jumps out to you that you are looking forward to? Uh, the Colts game, really. Because I, I really want to see uh, what, what Andrew Luck uh, does against this defense. Okay. Um, and I want to see whether James Winston can carve up the Colts defense because that defense is just, it's so weird. I, I can't get a handle on them. Like one week they, they nearly shut out an opponent and then they allowed 40 points. I mean, it's just confusing. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 an odd odd duck uh, that they have going on in 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 Indianapolis. Um, my best friend is a a season ticket holder uh, for the Colts, so I've actually been to Lucas Oil Stadium a, a few times uh, to see him. Not since Andrew Luck got drafted, but I've been out there a few times uh, to see them play. Cool. Um, so you know you you have the Titans. Speaking of the Titans, with with Mariota, went. Let's rewind back back a little bit. Were you in the Mariota camp or the Winston camp as far as who you thought the Bucks should go with for that number one pick? Uh, I was in the Mariota camp, which was, uh, I, I mean, most polls we did was kind of 50-50 uh, in the fan base about who they preferred. Um, and most of the people who preferred uh, Mariota, including me, was because of Winston's off-field issues, right? Uh, and not really the on-field aspect. Okay, so, okay, all right. And... Um, you know, having him, well, well, they're both Heisman Trophy winners, aren't they? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So they yeah, both have, have really good college resumes. Uh, I, I think they're both going to be really, really good players. So, uh, And they're going to be compared uh, against each other for the rest of their careers, which oh. is going to be amusing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those uh, pitfalls of the whole drafted one and two thing. Like right now, Andrew Luck is miles ahead of Robert Griffin. Yeah. You know, because they were one and two a couple of years ago in, in, in 2012. So that comparison is not working out at all for Robert Griffin. Um, yeah. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how, how it unfolds for, for Mariota and, uh, yeah. and Winston. So in, in this draft class of yours, now that we're talking about these guys, aside from Jameis Winston, who is the crown jewel of the entire draft class uh, being number one overall, is there anybody else on the, on the board for the Buccaneers <laughs> that you're especially excited about? Um, I'm I'm secretly really excited about Kenny Bell. Maybe not this year, but um, I mean he's a fifth rounder, so I don't expect him to do a lot as a rookie. But he has the potential to be a really really good receiver uh, with some development if he if he gets better at route running. But he has the he has the body size and the downfield speed to to be uh, well someone in the mold of Vincent Jackson, say if he if he develops uh, correctly. Okay. I was when I was looking at it. Um, I had I have like two or three, well, three actually, three of those NFL preview magazines, and that's how I did a lot of my my homework going into it. All three of them mentioned Kalen Clay, yeah, the six round pick, as somebody to keep an eye on because he's basically been anointed Lovey Smith's new Devin Hester as far as him being handed immediately the the kick returning yep. duties. Well, yeah, well, the punt returning duties mostly because kick returns okay. are completely useless in the NFL these days. Yes, uh, <laughs> true. So, yeah, he's, he's the immediate punt returner. The Bucks did not have any capable punt returner. They signed, I think, half a dozen punt returners during the season and then got them after two weeks after they fumbled the ball. So, yeah, Kalen Clay is going to get that role. I don't think he's going to do anything else. He's, he's too small. He's not a good route runner. He's, uh, he's not particularly explosive. Uh, 
as a receiver. So I can't see him getting on the field in offense. He's going to have to make the roster as purely a punt returner, which I think he will do because Lovey Smith really, really loves punt returners. Yes, indeed. But I'm not sure how much of an impact he's going to have. I mean, it's so difficult to evaluate college punt returners going to the NFL. It's just, it's a completely different game. Right. All right. Well, let's uh, start to wind things down here. Have, have you ever made a trip to the States to see the Bucks at training camp or anything like that? I have not, and I would really want to, but, you know, that's really expensive. And SB Nation is not willing to pay for my plane tickets, so until that happens, I'm probably not going to be able to go. <laughs> but as long as they keep coming to London, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll run over there and see them then? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a lot. That's uh, uh, probably 10 times cheaper, and that's, that's not an exaggeration. That's really the, the factor difference uh, there. <laughs> yeah, it's, I imagine it's an expensive, uh, an expensive trip. So... I'm looking at the at the schedule here, and I'm looking at, you know, the Titans at 4:25 Eastern. What time is that in the Netherlands? 4:25 Eastern. That has to be. Uh, let me see. That's 10:25 p.m. Okay, so a late night for you that that night. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, the, the 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 night games are always the worst for me, of course, because that's 2 a.m. until uh, like 6 a.m. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I, I bet. Yeah, you have the the Thursday night game against the Rams, December seventeenth, with that one kicking off at eight twenty five. Yeah, yeah, that's basically Easter. my my Friday gone, basically. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, so you know, you have the the time difference. So how do you manage to watch the games? Do you have like uh, you have like a satellite package out there? Do you go to a sports bar to watch the games? How how do you do that? Um, well, they have a really. Uh, really interesting Game Pass thing, which is NFL.com. Uh, just the website sells a Game Pass for like 200 bucks uh, for a season, and you can basically watch every game live on your PC in high def. So I just connect that to my TV and watch them that way, which is really okay. cool. Yeah. Okay. That's that's similar to what we have the the um, the Sunday ticket that our that yeah. our satellite providers have. Uh, yep. It's cheap. Yours is cheaper than ours yeah. because it's, it's like three hundred for dollars for the season to, to on, be fair, on satellite. To, to be fair, I do work on like a two-minute delay, and I still have not figured out why there's a two-minute delay. But it's been that way for years, which can get kind of annoying. Well, you're like getting updates on your phone faster than you're getting them yeah, live in person. Yeah. yeah. So, so if I'm like, uh, um, if I'm writing about the game, or I have to monitor the, uh, the game, the box game, and write about it during the game. It's basically more efficient for me to just watch Twitter full time than actually watch the game itself. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Last question I have here for you, Sander. You know, you you mentioned the Super Bowl. Um, You know, that's kind of what brought you into being a fan. You know, what would you say as a fan has been like your most favorite moment of watching the Buccaneers? Of watching the Buccaneers, my most favorite moment. Yes. Um. that's a really good question. Like the, the 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 time they won the Super Bowl, I was not yet a Bucks fan. So that's mm-hmm. like just before that time. I'm going to say like that uh, in 2012, which was mm-hmm. Josh Freeman's last real year as a starter. They had one game against the Panthers where they were uh, down, and Josh Freeman was not playing really well because he wasn't playing really well that season. Right. But there was a two-minute drill. Uh, with no timeouts left, and like 30 seconds, uh, 40 yards away from the uh, from the end zone, and uh, down by eight points. 
and he manages to rifle uh, a pass to Vincent Jackson in between three defenders, really tight window uh, to get them within two, uh, within, within two points, then managed a two-point conversion to get them to tie the game and then win the game in overtime. That was probably the, the best moment. So when, when you're watching the games, are, are, are you a vocal fan? Are you yelling at the TV? Are you getting excited when there's touchdowns and things like that? Or oh, yeah. Just kind of, are uh, you? Yeah. I, well, I mean, it depends. If, if, I'm, if I'm actively writing about the game, I kind of can't because I have to focus on that. But if I can just, just watch the game and be a fan, I'm absolutely – I'm one of the guys screaming and yelling yeah. and uh, <laughs> cussing when things go wrong and jumping around when things go right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I think that's that's all I have for you uh, this time, uh, Sander. Um, I really enjoyed having you uh, on the show. I mean, we don't play each other until week 16, so we got like literally like six months between now and the time that our teams actually play yeah. uh, each other. But I would like to, if we can somehow manage to work it out with our schedules, the time difference and all, like to have you on the week of the of the game to Absolutely. kind of do uh, to, to compare notes and see where our teams are headed going into the last two weeks of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully that game is going to actually matter. Yeah, that that would be nice. Actually, <laughs> I, I think I would be happy if it uh, if it mattered for you or if it mattered for me. It would be yeah. even better if it mattered for both of us. I yeah. think that would be cool yeah. uh, as well. But uh, thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much for being on the show, Sandra. And uh, we'll see you in December. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, thank you. And that was Sander Phillips from BucksNation.com uh, on the SB Nation uh, website. And, um, you know, you really got to hand it to those overseas fans. I mean, this this was a guy that made it into his, uh, f- what he said, into his teens before he adopted a team. You know, probably a, a notion that most of us here in the States can't really fathom because, you know, much more like myself, uh, you know, I was probably a Bears fan before I had any recollection uh, of being a Bears fan, having grown up, born and raised in Chicago. And, you know, my fan, uh, my dad, of course, being a fan of the Bears long before I ever came around and and so on. These are people that are basically, you know, something about this team just clicks with them. And that's their team win or lose, because, you know, you would think that. You know, it's like, oh, I like this team. These guys are cool. They're my team. I like them. And then you suffer through a few six and 10, four and 12 campaigns. You have uh, one head coach after another come in and out that they would be like, well, screw this and, and bail and, and pick another team to be uh, fancy with. Uh, you know, you, you got to hand it to these guys about uh, picking a lane and sticking with it, uh, especially when there's very little to, to be excited about. And case in point, of course, being Sander himself, a two and fourteen campaigns, not a lot. It can't be easy to uh, to suffer through. Uh, I mean, we as Bear fans know. I mean, we were five and eleven last year, so not much better at all uh, than the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers were. But you know, as you heard us talking about in that uh, in our little discussion, there was that looking at the at the the the, the, the scores of those games. Those first six, seven games for for Lovey as head coach, that that fifty six to nothing 
Uh, they were losing to Atlanta on Thursday night. Uh, they were 48-17 to against the, the Ravens a couple of weeks after that. It really seemed to settle down, and then you were looking at final scores like, you know, 23 to 17, or, or like against the Bears, 21 to 13. And, you know, they're in the game in the fourth quarter. There's still reason for optimism. You know, the level of play went up significantly as, uh, you know, there's, they're not winning games, but at least they're being a lot more competitive. And that's something that you can build on uh, going forward. So, you know, for Sanders' sake, and, uh, you know, f- I hope that uh, things do get better uh, for them because, as you know, we're talking about there at the end when he's got a, you know, even when he has a a a three o'clock start here, and as we haven't, it's three o'clock here in the Midwest, four o'clock on on the East Coast. You know, the 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 afternoon games, as we call them, that's ten o'clock at night out there uh, over in the uh, the Netherlands to watch it live. You're up until one two o'clock in the morning to watch a football game. So it's also got to make for a long day when you when you have that uh, when you have that game and you're excited about it and you're waiting for it and you got to wait till ten o'clock at night to watch it. That's got to suck. <laughs> it's you know, and especially you know, two and fourteen last year that Thursday night game that started at uh, you know seven thirty at night, which I believe he said was about two or two or so in in the morning uh, on Friday Friday morning out there to watch it from from 2 to 6 a.m. and for him to be down 56 to nothing in the third quarter I you know shows a lot of dedication for those guys so I really do uh respect how you know they make a choice and they stick with it you know they're, they're very very loyal to their chosen teams and and more importantly uh you know respect the fact that they chose that team so it's it's not really something that was influenced upon them like it is to a lot of us here in the states um, you know, like it was influenced upon me being from Chicago, growing up virtually in the shadow of Soldier Field. And, uh, you know, dad and, and grandfather were were uh, were bear fans and, and so on. It was kind of ingrained to me uh, whether I really wanted to be or not. I was going to be a Bears fan. And uh, luckily for for me and luckily for you, there was something that uh, I couldn't escape even if I wanted to. Uh, and of course, which I never will want to escape. So. I'm I'm with them, ride or die. I'm with I'm with the Bears and uh, you know blue and orange until I uh, until I perish. That's for sure. So had a lot of fun uh, with Sander, and like I said, I hope that we can you know work it out with our schedules. Um, it was it's week 16 that we see the Buccaneers on December 27th, so just after Christmas, uh, when uh, hopefully we can pin down a, a some a time. Uh, to talk to Sander because even it's it's 9:45 in the morning here in the Midwest where I'm talking to Sander, so it's already three or four in the afternoon in uh, in the Netherlands. So uh, that's kind of the window that we're uh, that we're working with here. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to get our schedules uh, worked out so that I can uh, get Sander on the show because I had a great conversation with him. Really interested to see what that conversation will be like six months from now when uh, we're 15 games into the season, heading into the home stretch. Will the Buccaneers, and the Bears for that matter, be looking forward to 2016, or will they still have something to fight for uh, at the end of the season there? So thanks to him uh, for for being on uh, the show. That'll be part one of this uh, same-place opponent uh, preview 
for the uh, for the Buccaneers. The Washington Redskins are up next. I got Mike Carrar from Hogshaven.com that's going to be on the show uh, uh, with me. So uh, that'll be up in in a few days uh, as well. As soon as I talk to uh, him, got him scheduled to uh, talk to him on uh, Friday, actually. So today being uh, Wednesday, I hope to have the show up either later tonight or very first thing uh, tomorrow. Uh, and I have my Mike on uh, on Friday, and we'll talk to him uh, about the Redskins and where they think they're going to be um, in 2015 and beyond. And it's it's interesting, you know, to to talk. It's um, you know, unfortunately, the Bears were in fourth place, so we're talking to other fourth place teams in the Buccaneers and the Redskins. These are teams like ourselves, the, as far as Bear fans, that had to suffer through a pretty horrible uh, season. Uh, the Redskins were four and twelve uh, last year, drafted number five overall. So only a couple of steps uh, ahead of the Bears. You know, when when your when your team is is that bad or not playing very well or you know had a lot of bad luck and injuries and poor play and and so on, it's interesting to see where the where the fan base's mindset is at going into uh, the next season. So you know, was the off season productive enough to be excited about 2015 or are you having to search for things to show optimism for so with the whole situation with Jay Gruden Robert Griffin you know RG3 and and everything um, you know did the Redskins make the moves to make the fans excited or are the fans just excited because they're fans and they can't wait for the season to begin so are what kind of uh, mindset are the fans in going into 2015 so I guess that's the one upside of finishing in fourth place is that um, you know you have nowhere to go but up literally you 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 finished at the bottom of where you could finish and you have nowhere to go but up uh, from there is the the mindset or the optimism of the fan base in that place as well um, with the Buccaneers it's uh, it's a cautious optimism as Sanders put it um, but uh, it's optimistic nonetheless with Jameis Winston out there and, uh, you know, really hoping to see what he turns out to be. So thanks again to Sanders. Thanks again to you uh, for listening. Come back in a few days for part two of the Same Place Opponent Preview. We'll be talking to Mike Arar from Hogshaven.com on SB Nation. Until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Chicago Bears Review. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.